With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. You have a problem with it? Build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to the Crossover NBA Podcast. A little bit different here on the podcast this week. It's the editor edition of the podcast where I am joined by two members of the crack Crossover NBA uh, editing staff, Deontay Prince and Matt Dollinger. Fellas, welcome. Welcome to the pod. Thanks for having us on. It's about time. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Been waiting. It it's it, it's about time. Like for people that are listening at home, like Dollinger complained for about three hours today that he had to, you know, come in and do this. Like first agreeing to it. You're like the the guy that cancels at the last minute. Nobody likes that guy. Listen, like, op- you can't open floor, hit me up with the same request. I said no to them. I said yes to you. Yeah. I'm 100% sure they hit you up with the same request. Um, But good to have you guys uh, in here today. A lot lot I want to get into uh, that's going on right now. And I want to start with what happened last week with the NBA kind of reacting to what was a a goofy start to the offseason. You know, we all know that, you know, a lot of these deals that are announced get done well in advance. It's been that way for years now. But this year seemed especially kind of 
kind of goofy, for lack of a better word. You had a bunch of deals announced at like 6.01 uh, when teams and agents are not supposed to be negotiating before 6.01. So the NBA, uh, they did a couple of things. One, they announced they were going to reinforce rules that are already on the books. They said they're going to uh, you know, start fining guys, threatening to take away draft picks, all the things that they can do currently. And then as they move forward, they're going to do independent audits of of certain number of teams, and they're going to increase the fines to as much as $10 million for tampering and uh, some other uh, additional fines out there as well. So let, let me get your reaction. Matt, we'll start with you. The What do you make of what the NBA did? Is this uh, you know to, uh, a nothing burger, or is this something you think could have some real teeth as we move into the next phase of the year? I think it was a good PR move. I think it was good for the NBA to ramp this up and to get it out there and kind of let everybody know that they're puffing their chests out and they're threatening to kind of fix this problem, but I just don't see it making a difference. There's just too much on the line with these free agents for a fine to get in the way. I mean, even a $10 million fine, that might be a good investment for for a franchise that's going after a max player. So, you know, it, the question is, well, what, what number should they go to then? How high should it get? I, I don't know. I mean, we were talking like a guy about like Steve Ballmer. I think Steve Ballmer would have paid any fine to get Kawhi Leonard, you know? So... I don't know. I, I like that they're doing something about it. I like that they're addressing it. I like they're trying to get ahead of it a little bit, but I just can't see it making a difference. What do you think, Deontay? The the part that I think that is going to be super hard for them to to actually police is the player aspect of it. I mean, they, they've already started to find guys like Mark Cuban in the past, but it's the, the Draymonds and the Russell Westbrooks who have been able to sort of do things behind the scenes and you know actually get players to join them in their town and there's really no way to police a player like what are you going to do like follow Draymond and make sure he's not <laughs> texting Kevin Durant after the game so um, like you said it made sense for them to sort of like be on the offensive and let people know that they care about this and that this is something that they're going to address but at the end of the day there's not much you can really do about it. Well look the NBA is not going to look at players they've made it abundantly clear that policing players is not something that that they're going to investigate so you know guys like Draymond can text whoever they want uh you know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant can talk all they want that's just never going to change I think the only thing that could make a difference here is if they start going after draft picks I think Mm -hmm. you're right Matt that money's inconsequential I thought it was really bizarre that their first kind of line in the sand was drawn on John Horst saying they're definitely <laughs> going to give, you know, Giannis Tentacumpo a two hundred fifty million million max extension. I mean that okay, we're going to go after teams for praising their own players now. I don't really understand that, but if you have evidence of side deals, and you can go after draft picks, this is something the NBA has been able to do before. I mean, go back to to Joe Smith. What happened mm-hmm. with him in Minnesota, where he signed a series of short term deals? The NBA figured out what they were doing, and they wound up. You know, docking the Timberwolves for first round picks. They suspended Kevin McHale, uh, the GM. They suspended the owner. Something similar to that needs to happen, uh, Deontay, before I think anyone takes this seriously at all. My understanding from talking to to agents and and different team personnel is that you know if somebody gets caught, then and somebody gets significantly penalized, then they'll sit up and take notice. But until then, it's just going to be business as usual. Maybe they'll be more careful. Maybe they'll use more, you know, of those, uh, you know, encrypted apps and, you know, have more phone conversations because, you know, an agent can call a GM. He might be talking about another player. There's no way to prove 
who he's talking about, but I think they'll just be more careful and not, uh, you know, not worry too much about the consequences. Maybe that's what the NBA wants. Maybe they just want people to be more careful and keep it behind the scenes so they don't have to release a press release and kind of call attention to it. Because the question I was going to ask you, Chris, is do you even think tampering's effective? Like, you know, I think about that $500,000 fine the Lakers got. They didn't get Paul George, you know. Is, is, is tampering so implied at this point that it's not a problem? Is this just a matter of, like, making the small, the small market teams happy? Or is this actually a thing that matters? Well, the small market teams are are definitely the most aware and and worried about tampering, and they're they're more worried about the big market teams getting in there and and doing their thing. Um, I, I do think it's a problem. I you know look, Magic Johnson going on Jimmy Kimmel and saying I heart Paul George like that that's just <laughs> dumb. Like it right. doesn't. That's not the kind of stuff that that they're necessarily worried about. It's the stuff that if a player's season ends in April, mm-hmm. they don't want a rival team you know, effectively courting that player through his agent or through somebody else uh, for the period of uh, of a couple of months. I mean, I think what they want is more of the, you know, Kawhi Leonard type free agencies. They would like the moratorium to actually be a moratorium. They would like that the process plays out over a couple of days as opposed to a couple of minutes. I think that's the most important thing. If we go into next June and we don't have you know a slew of agreed to deals at 601 or within the first hour even of free agency i think the nba will call you know these changes a success if if we still see the same thing um i, I don't know that we're going to have I, I think the nba is going to feel like they have to do maybe a little bit more but we also have to remember guys transactions are what makes the nba fun it's what keeps right. the nba you know in the news for 11 months out of the year a lot of transactions like that day and the, the subsequent days in free agency are sometimes as popular, at least on social media, as the finals. So I, I think they got to be careful not to you know, not to screw with it too much because that's kind of what makes the league that popular. The, the part of, about this is, as you mentioned, Chris, that's a, a little bit confusing to me. This, this whole thing is about retention, right? So why give the fine to the Bucks? I, I'm a, it, it seems like this is coming or going off on a, on a, a bit of a, a rough start. Yeah, I I don't understand that at all. Like that, that to me is just that that's a guy says he wants to resign his own free agent. If that's what what the bar is going to be for a fine, I, I don't know. I'd also say this, and and I've, I've talked to a few people about it. Like, if that's the cost of doing business to let Giannis know that totally. that he's yep, is worth it. you know wanted, they'll they'll pay it. Like they'll pay the fifty thousand dollars. That's that's a drop in the bucket for for these owners uh, in situations like that. So they'll have no problem with that. I think though. To, to turn to a, a bigger picture on all this, I think changing the NBA calendar is something that could have a more material effect on on tampering here. And the way you change it uh, is to move free agency before the draft. So you don't have kind of that week to two weeks of, of dead time where you know agents are talking to other teams. You know there's some tampering that's going on. You want to eliminate tampering entirely but if you move free agency to before the draft, uh, I, I would understand that. And I also think there's a, sort of a basketball point to all this. Like if you go through free agency and you miss out on guys or you get guys, it, it'll enable you to see what you need in the draft with a clearer mind. And maybe we won't have as many of those sort of weird – And for TV too, you won't have as many weird deals where guys are putting on one hat and they're – you know, going off and and swapping it out for another within a couple of days. I, I just think that 
changing the calendar, which, by the way, the NBA can't do unilaterally. They need the union to be involved. I think changing the calendar is something that could have a more tangible effect. I, I just can't see the NBA wanting to truncate the best part of the season. You know, the offseason is the peak interest. You know, we're the editors. We know the traffic during the offseason is higher than it is during the finals. People really care about these transactions. And you're right, that does make sense. But then the NBA is losing out on July a little bit. And I don't know if they want to do that. I really think that the people they're mad at here aren't the teams or the players. They're mad at the agents and the reporters. If anything, they should be threatening those people because you know that's how things are leaking. That's how things are getting out. And that seems to be what their issue is. They don't like Woj breaking 30 you know, deals all at once and kind of stepping on the, the process a little bit. And I have no idea how you fix that. But it just seems like they're trying to win this as a PR thing and they're not actually trying to fix the problem. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. definitely right about the July thing. Uh, we basically don't even book travel in July because we know <laughs> that this is an, an entire month where we're going to have to be in the office. Yeah. Uh, but I also agree with what Chris is saying in terms of the basketball aspect, and I think football does it this way. I might be wrong. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of already know exactly what you need going into that draft, and you can pick a player that you know will play for you and, and, and that you know will add value instead of, you know, sort of – just getting a guy because he's the best player available um, and actually adding to your team. You know, to, to the point about, you know, July, I don't know if you lose July necessarily because you would have that free agent, you know, period right after the finals ended and you'd have that flurry of activity. Then you go into the draft, which if it's later in the month or even in early July, you could have, you know, draft chatter and draft, you know, mm-hmm. carrying the conversation within the NBA. Then you could push Summer League back a week. I think that's a problem that it, and NBA executives don't want Summer League pushback. Like mm. that's, they, they want to start their vacations at some point. They right. don't want to be <laughs> in Summer League in like late July. Like that is one of the bigger problems that, or the bigger pushbacks I heard after the Houston Rockets made a proposal like this a couple of years ago. So I think that's somewhat problematic, but I think all in all, I think if Adam Silver can get the union on board when they bring this topic up with Michelle Roberts and, and her staff, I, I think this is something that has some some teeth to it, that we could see the, the calendar reworked at some point over the next couple of years. I, I think one of the bigger fears the NBA has is that you see a free agent story breaking during the finals. Yeah. Like, you know, what, what would happen if, it's almost like when, and not to use a Boston reference, but when Bill Parcells, you know, they knew he was leaving the Patriots during the Super Bowl. Imagine if Kevin Durant if it leaked out that Kevin Durant was leaving the Warriors to go to Brooklyn during the finals. Like, what kind of shitstorm would that start? That, I that's don't know. We NBA saw, we saw that to. storm. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> for sure, but we we saw it this year a little bit. We all, everyone everyone kind of knew he was gone, at least. I I think it's good for business. I mean, it's, it's bad for those pressers. It's bad for the players to be confronted with those questions, but... The NBA does have something going on with the intrigue of of the movement uh, and everything where none of the other leagues can tap into it the way the NBA has. So I think they're smart to try and fix, tweak it a little bit, but they they shouldn't ruin what is, you know, one of the most interesting parts of their league. I was thinking about how it might affect draft night uh, just Mm. because you have so many things working on that day that aren't necessarily involved at this moment. I mean... You could have LeBron or somebody like that sign with a team on draft night, and that definitely would, for the league, overshadow what's one of the the bigger nights for them. And they, True. I'm sure they don't want that to happen. No, they definitely don't. <laughs> anyway, to to put a button on on this tampering stuff, I I think unless 
we have another Joe Smith type incident where the NBA comes down hard on a team, it's just going to be business as usual. Yeah. You might not see as many kind of 601 type of deals as we saw this past year, but you're going to see a lot of deals that are done uh, unless the NBA catches somebody. I'm not sure what these audits are going to accomplish either. I, I think, you know, the NBA has always had the right, as Adam Silver pointed out at his Board of Governors meeting or after the meeting, to, to confiscate phones, but that's not something the league wants to do because. Mm. You know, what if you discover something else on that phone? Like, right. the, is it fruit of the poisonous tree? I mean, like, do you? Uh, it just creates kind of a Pandora's box, and I don't think the NBA really wants to open there. So, no, we'll see how far they take that one. All right, let's talk some basketball here for a second. Uh, Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn for year one. Uh, not a great start, as we learned on Wednesday. Kyrie has a broken face. <laughs> He's day to day right now <laughs> in dealing with something that Small happened during a, a scrimmage earlier this week, but. There's a lot of pressure this season on Kyrie Irving. I was talking to a scout uh, recently who said, you know, you know, for the first three months of the season, whenever you write about Kyrie Irving, you're going to be writing about what Boston's doing without Kyrie Irving. And I, this, this scout told me that Kyrie's gotten to the point where we almost forget that he was the guy that made that huge shot in the finals. He has yeah. now become kind of this toxic player that derailed everything Boston was trying to do last year. So I'll put this to you guys, and Deontay, we'll start with you. How much pressure is on Kyrie Irving this season, and what kind of pressure? What are what are expectations for him this season? I think the well, the 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 initial pressure in leaving LeBron was always to to show that he could win on his own, and I think that was pressure that he welcomed at the time. Um, after going into Boston and having the leadership issues, there's certainly going to be a uh, magnifying glass on that. But I think his playing style, to me, is the one thing that's going to become debated a lot more throughout this season and as he actually gets into playing with KD. Because I think for, for fans, it's like this thing that we love to see. We like to watch him dribble 10, 15 times, but... For the guys who are on the court with him, I don't think that's a lot of fun. <laughs> like <laughs> I've played with people where you watch them just dribble in circles and dribble in circles, and you kind of just stand around and you don't know what to do. For the record, Deontay's that person. I don't uh, know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna throw myself under the table on that. But I, I, I can see that becoming also and that being an issue in locker rooms too. Like I don't always think it's is partial. Like it's, it's not always about his leadership style. Sometimes it's about his playing style as well, and I think over the next couple of years we'll learn whether he can actually continue to play that way and and win. Matt, what do you think? Uh, you know, as much as the basketball is going to be tough, I think the pressure is really going to be on media-wise for him. I mean, I would say, and I think most people would agree, Kyrie did not do well with the media last season. It did not go well. He mm-hmm. said a lot of things. He had a lot of weird press. Uh, it was a big distraction. How's it going to be in New York this year? And then when the Knicks aren't even going to matter, everyone's going to focus on Kyrie. Uh, we all know Kevin Durant's not playing this year. Kyrie's going to be under the microscope, unlike he's been before. I think it'll be even harsher in Brooklyn than it was in Boston. Um, and then I think if D'Angelo Russell gets off to a strong start in Golden State, everyone's going to point to that and be like, well, they let that guy walk away, and now they've got this guy. And, you know... I can already hear it on the radio. I even started to do a little New York impression mm-hmm. there, I feel like. But uh, basketball-wise, I don't see it being as big of an issue uh, it, you know, in terms of his play and what he has to do for the Nets this year. I, I don't see them taking a big leap forward no matter what. I think 
it would be a success to tread water more or less on on what was a you know a really productive year last year. But I'm worried about him when it comes to the injuries and it comes to the quotes and uh, just the narrative. I think the narrative could get out of hand. What do you think, Chris? Well, I mean, I don't think there's going to be as much pressure on him next season or this season rather as there was in last season in Boston, just because the Celtics were like, you know, five minutes from going to the finals Mm. last year, they add Kyrie and a broken down, you know, coming back Gordon Hayward and they wound up being significantly worse than what they were last year. And that, you know, right or wrong was directed at Kyrie and he has a lot of culpability in all that this year. I think they've got to at least match what they did last year, finish in that kind of five, six seed range. Kyrie's got to have a good year. Look, you know, from a purely basketball perspective, he had one of, if not the best year of his career last year. Like Mm. he played really good basketball statistically. He just didn't fit into what Boston was trying to do. So I I think as long as they kind of, as you said, tread water and get back to that position, uh, I think uh, that they'll be okay. I think the big question is, what kind of impact does he have on the Nets' young players? Because they are, in a way, Boston light. Like, mm-hmm. they've got Karis LeVert. They've got Joe Harris. They've got Jared Allen. You know, they've got a bunch of young guys there. Spencer Dinwiddie. That Kyrie is going to have to take on a leadership role with, both on the court and off it. And if it turns out to be, you know, like Boston 2.0, where, you know, Jalen Brown didn't like playing with him, uh, Jason Tatum, you know, kind of stalled in his second year in the league in part because of the positions he had to play in because of Kyrie Irving. That's going to reflect poorly on him. I think that's probably the most interesting thing. Like, they're not a championship team next year. Uh, Sean Marks came out and finally confirmed that Kevin Durant was not going to play uh, next season. So it really isn't about until 2021 when we start putting real expectations on this team. But I'm curious to see how Kyrie... Uh, adjust to playing with this group of young players because it didn't go well with the young players in Boston. They just didn't seem like they were on the same page. And Kyrie's leadership skills was like, I mean, it was just like throwing stuff against the wall. I mean, <laughs> some days he's ripping these guys. Some days he's saying like, you know, it's all good. Like he just never really quite figured out how to 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 take on a leadership role with those young guys. He's got to be better than that uh, at that in Brooklyn. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm interested to see this year around Kyrie too is KD's involvement is, you know, is KD going to be at the game sitting on the bench? Are we going to see him? Are we going to hear from him? Is he going to be a ghost? Is how involved in the team will he be? And then, and I'm really getting carried away here, Chris, so I'm sorry, but is this like a one year trial for KD in the Nets? Is he going to evaluate the Brooklyn Nets from up close this year and kind of decide, hey, do I really want to be a Brooklyn Net long term? You know, and if things go south, what do you look at his options? I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Well, what what options does he have? I, I have seen, I, I recall a, a couple of times an NBA star forcing his way out of a bad situation <laughs> into a place he wants to play. Well, I mean, look, I think, first of all, you, you can't underestimate how strong the bond is between Kyrie and Kevin Durant. They are right. really close friends. Mm-hmm. So they obviously decided to play together and be part of this. And I, I don't see, even if it's somewhat dysfunctional, after year one, I think Kevin Durant can look at it like he's the savior. And yeah. He can step in and, you know, how they play with Durant is going to be decidedly different than how they play with Kyrie. I mean, in a way, Kyrie can kind of step in, you know, right into that D'Angelo Russell role. I mean, they're not exactly the same player, but both these guys are, were, are, were and are strong finishers, both them ball-dominant guards that play 
off pick and rolls. I, I don't think it'll be that big an adjustment basketball wise uh, for this team. I just I just don't see Durant. You know, it would have to go incredibly bad, like <laughs> nuclear bad, like Dwight Dwight Howard Kobe bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know you know, for, for Durant to have any problem with that team. Yeah, you know, September 25th is just the time to start speculating about KD's departure from Brooklyn. That's that's what we're doing. <laughs> We've seen him in the jersey one time. <laughs> yeah, Wild speculation there, Dollinger. Well, you know, I just, I just wanted to know. You know, that's where my... You watch the NBA long enough, that's that's where your head goes, is where, where could this go wrong? Have you been listening to Rohan on this podcast with the wild speculation? He's I mean, been... I've, re- I've read uh, one or two uh, takes by, by him over the years that was questionable, yeah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> one player that that the Nets haven't kind of officially ruled out yet, but we're still we don't think he's going to sign. There's is Carmelo Anthony, and mm. interest in Carmelo has been minimal across the league, if not non-existent. I've been pretty consistent that if the Heat wind up making a deal for Chris Paul, I can see Carmelo winding up there mm. uh, because Miami values talent above all else, and they just believe they can squeeze talent out of anyone and squeeze something out of Carmelo. So the relationship he has with Chris Paul, I could see that. Uh, you know, potentially coming together, but I don't know. I mean, Brooklyn doesn't seem all that interested. Are you, are you guys surprised that the Nets um, are, are seemingly not interested in Carmelo Anthony? 
I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just the way that that team functions, it doesn't really seem like Carmelo's uh, the type of guy that they would really go all in to get. Uh, I think they also had a front row seat for everything that happened with the Knicks. Um, so, you know, being in this town and getting to see Melo stop the ball on every possession and uh, getting to see that team lose with him at, as the as the focal point, I don't I don't think that's the type of thing that would make you rush to bring him into the team. And like you said earlier, they also have this young foundation that they really want to try to nurture and, and bring up. And I think at some point you kind of have to let those guys be at the steering wheel in order for things to you know move forward. So um, you already have Kyrie coming in. You already have KD coming in. I don't know if you need another like big personality to sort of like bat those guys back. Yeah, I, I don't think you can add Carmelo to a New York sports team. It it will be the – I mean, imagine the scrum every day in the locker room. They'll be surrounding the the 10th guy on the bench versus any of the starters. It will be – It'll be like Tim Tebow. I mean, that's what it became in the NFL was Tebow might have been good enough to play in the NFL. He became such a distraction. Every team decided it wasn't worth it. I don't think that's the math they did on Carmelo, but I think that's where it's headed now in terms of, yes, he is good enough to play in the NBA. It's silly that he's not in the NBA. We all agree. But he's 35 years old. He's probably not going to be one of the eight best guys on your team. Is it worth it for that type of distraction? Is it worth it for for a GM to look bad taking a chance on him. And I think that's what's being decided now. I don't think it has anything to do or not not as much to do with Carmelo the basketball player as Carmelo the star and whether a franchise can handle that. Yeah, but I would push back on the idea that Carmelo would be a distraction on that team. Yeah, Now, there would be a, a frenzy in the first week or two weeks, but Carmelo has to be looking at his NBA future with both eyes open. I mean, he has to understand that Whatever team ultimately signs him, if there is one, uh, that that team is not going to look at him as anything more than an eighth or ninth man. So I don't think he's going to, you know, join a team and all of a sudden, two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, be bemoaning his playing time or, or you know, I, I don't think he'll wind up like I'm more concerned about Dwight Howard doing crap like that well, yeah. in, in Los Angeles <laughs> than I would be Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo. Like there was a number of years, and, and we've all seen the video in Oklahoma City when he first got there, where you know somebody asked him about coming off the bench. And he said, "Hey, Paul, they're talking to me about coming off the bench." I don't think he's at that point anymore. I think he recognizes where he's at totally. in his career, and I, I think any kind of any kind of fervor would die down pretty quickly. I think the more you know logical argument is the Nets don't have you know a role for him, and when you're talking about an eighth or a ninth man, you don't want a one-dimensional scorer like a, right. a low-efficiency score. You want versatility. You want a guy that defends, that rebounds, that plays multiple positions. That's just not who Carmelo Anthony is. And I think you'd have to find a team out there that 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 wants that scoring for him to get another opportunity. Well, I don't think he's the problem. I believe that he has matured and grown up and learned from the failures in Houston, Oklahoma City. I genuinely believe that. He's not the problem. We're the problem. You know, if the if Carmelo Anthony's on the Nets tomorrow, he's the second most interesting story. He might be the most interesting story. He's gonna be the second most you know sold jersey in the pro shop. If he's on the bench, he's gonna be the guy that people are chanting for. Uh, it, he's interesting. Like that's the problem is he is too interesting and too well known to fly under the radar. So I I do believe that he would be a team ish first guy if uh, <laughs> if if someone gave him a chance but 
I honestly think the media and the fans are the problem where we can't treat Carmelo like Joe Harris. He's just not Joe Harris. He's Carmelo Anthony, and we're we're going to talk about him like that, even if his game's not there. Yeah, and well, Deontay, let me ask you this. Does it say anything to you that nobody out there in the league that has real power is going to bat for Carmelo Anthony? I mean, James Harden is that Rockets organization. He is the face of it and wields power within it. He didn't try to save Carmelo there. Um, you know, you look at the Lakers, and I mean, LeBron James has more power within that team than any player has across the league. If LeBron, I, I don't think it's it's hyperbole to say if LeBron wanted Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony would be there. I, yes, I think that's that's true. That's fair to say. And the same thing, you know, if Durant and Kyrie got together and said, went to Sean Marks and said, you know, Carmelo was our USA basketball teammate. We think he can help the team. Uh, we want him here. I don't think it's a stretch to think that they could get the job done. Does it say anything to you, Deontay, that it doesn't seem like guys that Carmelo is you know, purportedly close with are going to bat for him? Yeah, that was the part that I was going to hone in on. It seems like he's friends with all these guys off the court. Like when he goes to USA basketball practice, like they all joke with him. They all laugh with him. Whenever I go on Getty, I see a million photos of him and KD and Kyrie like having fun together. Um, I think it just says more about where he is in his career. I mean, if this was Carmelo three and a half years ago even, there would be a ton of guys saying, like, we could use a scorer like that. Um, I think they know that he also operates the same way that they do and that if you're James Harden, you couldn't even, like, go like be a one-two with Chris Paul who basically got out of your way every possession. So there's no way that you want Carmelo catching the ball, holding it for three seconds in that elbow area and sort of like creating his own shot. Um, I mean, the, the same kind of goes for LeBron. A lot of these guys operate in the same area and because they've been stars in the league, they kind of function the same way. Um, so I think it says a lot about where he is right now, but it also says a lot about like how they think Carmelo can fit with them and whether they think he would actually be willing to make that transition. I think Matt gave him some uh, some leeway, but I mean, a lot of it doesn't seem like these players think that Melo would would make that sacrifice in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, these guys know the type of players that are going to help them win, and I think James Harden probably looks at you know that slot Carmelo occupies as you know being better occupied by you know someone more versatility, you know whoever it is, James Ennis, somebody else. Um, that that would be in that slot. So yeah, I think they they look at it that way. But it's interesting that that none of these guys that Carmelo has spent a number of years you know as friends with and as teammates with USA Basketball, nobody's really out there going to bat for him with their organization. That, all right, let that, me. Uh, all that said, Chris, if I'm at Lifetime Fitness and there's ten NBA players there, I'm taking Carmelo first every time. <laughs> I've never seen him miss a shot in the gym. Shoots, you know, a hundred percent. He's got all the shots. Lifetime Fitness. Carmelo's the best player in the NBA. I'm taking. Well, J. Cole. I mean, look. I'm I'm also, you know, and I talked to Jerry Colangelo about this over the summer, but I, I wish he would have played for USA basketball. I, I'm not sure that there would have been a downside. Like his his game still yeah. you know, lends itself to the USA game where he can be kind of a stretchy four who, you know, can be an ISO scorer. When when Tatum went down and, you know, Kyle Kuzman went out, like think they could have used Carmelo Anthony? Like he, somebody that could get him a bucket. For a while it was Donovan Mitchell. Like he totally could have saved him. And Kemba Walker, you know, one man banding it out there. So I think that might have been an opportunity missed to 
And if Carmelo Anthony could have saved USA Basketball, he, he would have had a job. Yeah, like somebody would have signed. That changes. So. That changes the been, story. It only would have took yeah. like one one game where he went off, and I think he he could he could have put together one game. I agree. Now he's got to go the Joe right. Johnson route. Okay. <laughs> big three, yeah, well, big the, three MVP. and that's a topic for another day. I think the big three probably is in his future at some point if if he goes unsigned uh, this season. All right, let's talk about uh, one of the teams out there that there's a lot of pressure on this year, and it's for the usual reasons: a free agent at the end of it. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, coming off a terrific year last season, um, you know, the MVP year for Giannis. They're going into uh, a season where you know after it, Giannis can uh, accept or decline a long-term contract extension. And as we know by now, guys, if a guy turns down that contract extension, it is tantamount to a trade request. So I'll ask you this, Matt, I'll put it to you first. Does Milwaukee need to reach the finals to keep Giannis uh, happy and wanting to be in a Bucks uniform, or is it more complicated than that? I think it's more complicated than that, but no, actually, well, let me say this. I don't think they need to reach the finals to keep him there. I think... I get the feeling that Giannis is going to be a buck for life or he's going to be a buck for a very long time. I don't see a lot of great alternatives, first of all, for him. But more importantly, I think the Bucks have done right by him. I think they've really gone out of their way to try and get players that make their team better or fit well alongside him. I think they've ponied up. They've gone creative. They've done everything you could ask for. I mean, other than moving from Milwaukee to Los Angeles, that's the only other thing they could do, or maybe to Athens. Uh, I really think that if you're looking at like a franchise that's done right by a superstar, it's been the Bucks, and I I think that this year they've got as much talent as anybody in the East. I think they will make the finals, but if they lose, I don't see them wanting out. I, I see the guy, the other guys on the Bucks being on the trading block. Then I think you know Rob Rob Mahoney would kill me for saying this, but. Is, is Chris Middleton a good enough number two to win the title? I don't know. I don't know. That might be somewhere where they look to improve. But I don't know, Chris. I, I just see Giannis being happy there. I think he's liked Milwaukee. And then you look at the other big markets like, oh, well, Giannis is going to leave. Where is he going to leave for? He can't go to the Clippers. Uh, he can't go to the Lakers. Uh, you want to go to the Knicks? I don't think so. So I, I don't know. Maybe he's staying in Milwaukee long term. What do you think, Deontay? Uh, well, it seems like the the one team that you didn't mention that's been rumored is the Warriors, right? Um, they seem to be getting they get creative. They they figure out how to get players on their team. This I is mean, true. They, I guess that's the the only real threat. Uh, but the Eastern Conference is open enough that this team could totally make it to the finals. It, they were really quiet in the summer, uh, as we talked about a little bit before this podcast started. The few additions they made were basically like the brothers of guys that they already had on the <laughs> roster. Uh, but I I still think that they have enough in the East. I mean, Toronto obviously takes a step back without Kawhi. The 76ers have a lot of names, but it's really, I mean, it's probably yeah. going to be really hard to mess those guys together, uh, especially early in, in the season. So, uh, and And there's the other thing that Giannis doesn't necessarily have like, these strong ties to other players in the way that like a KD or a Kyrie does because he hasn't known these guys for 10 years. Good point. Uh, I've I've seen that mentioned before and he doesn't have that sort of like AAU effect where he wants to team up with somebody and I mean he could have some some strong bond with a guy that I don't know about that he's developed once he uh, got into the league but uh, it, it seems like he's probably the most most likely of, of all stars to, to stay put into put that extra time into the franchise that he's with yeah I, I agree with with what both of you guys said there um 
I, I think he does like it there. I think they've done right by him almost every step of the way. They got him an elite coach. They've put a roster around him that works with all the shooters there. Like playing five out is perfect for Giannis because if you double or you try to send someone to cheat over, you've got four other guys on the floor uh, that can um, that can that can shoot it and make threes for you. They've got guards that can set screens, so you can play kind of a small big sort of pick and roll. Uh, with that group and I mean look they went out there and signed his damn brother like I, I like Thanasis yeah. like and he works he works really hard by all accounts but he wouldn't be on another NBA team right like that's just a fact like he wouldn't be former Nick. on another NBA team yeah so they 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 have done everything right by him I think the question they have this year is probably who's going to replace Malcolm Brogdon and mm. they they added some pieces out there of guys that could do it uh, Wesley Matthews has not been the same player uh, he was before that. What was it? The Achilles injury. Uh, you got Pat Connaughton there, who's pretty good. Dante Divincenzo, you know, got hurt last year, but he's someone that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Korver. Let's see if you can squeeze a little more out of him at the end of his career. But somebody's gonna have to step into that role that Malcolm Brockton vacated and be that kind of you know third or fourth scorer, uh, versatile defender. You know, Brogdon, Brogdon was the best, like the second best player on the team in the playoffs last year, but I don't think he has to be, whoever steps in that role, I don't think has to be the second best player on that team. I think Middleton is good enough to be that player on that team. Giannis just draws, I mean, you don't need a superstar number two on a team Giannis is on, if that makes any sense. I mean, yeah. he is just so, he is so damn good and draws so much attention that as long as you make shots, like Middleton, if you're making three-point shots and the occasional post-up and and whatever, you are a good enough number, number two because Giannis is just awesome. So I think Middleton, to me, is is perfectly fine as a number two there. And and look, the chemistry they have playing together, they're going to go into this season as a favorite. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the Bucks take a step back. Boston takes a step back. Who knows how long it takes Philadelphia to gel and if Ben Simmons can become the guy that Jimmy Butler was, this team knows its identity. They know uh, how to play well with those guys. And just incorporating some new players, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. I think they're going to start really fast in the Eastern Conference and and you know kind of pull away with that number one seed pretty early. The the Bucks are the surest thing, in my opinion, to make the finals. Yeah, I mean, for sure. The West is wide open. The Bucks have the clear route. You We know SI named Giannis the best player in the NBA next season. I you know, I feel good about that. I, I really think he is. I, so, yeah, I, I think he's in an ideal situation, and it's you know it's natural for us to talk about his future and wonder what's he going to do. But he's not giving us a lot to work with. He's he's in a pretty good spot. How, how big a hit is losing Brogdon in your opinion? I, I said what my piece there. I don't know that it's that big a hit. Uh, considering what they brought in to replace him and and the guys they already have in place. But I'll put it to you guys. I mean, the loss of Brogdon. You know, scale of one to ten, one being you know meh, ten being catastrophic. Where do you put it? I think I give it like a seven, uh, just because so much of it depends on Eric Bledsoe and which version of him you get totally. from night to night. When Bledsoe is aggressive and trying to get to the bucket and like creating havoc in the in the lane, I, I don't I don't worry about it at all. But when he starts to sort of like dribble and settle for those three-pointers when people can bait him into taking outside shots that he really shouldn't be taking at all it it'll make Brogdon's absence so like so clear on, on so many levels uh and I think he was 
he was really uh, just just a, a factor that sort of like leveled everything out for them. Whenever Bledsoe had one of those nights, you could count on him to handle the ball and not try to do too much, just get you into your stuff and get out of the way uh, or just create for himself. So um, it a lot of it is going to depend on which Eric Bledsoe we get next season. Yeah, regular season Bledsoe or playoff Bledsoe. That's that's going to be the question. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny. Like The Bucks aren't going to have any problems in the regular season. They have so many guys – that can score, and they've got so many different lineups they can deploy. It just feels like a certain thing they're going to win 60 games. But then when you talk about in the playoffs, it's like, okay, what's your winning five? Who's the guy who steps up when Giannis is getting a breather? That's where it gets more complicated, and that's where I think that's what Chris is getting at. It's not a sure thing, and how much they're going to miss Brogdon, we probably won't know until the playoffs start. Yeah, look, you bring up Bledsoe, and that's that's a great point to make because not only do you worry about him, you know, regular season Bledsoe versus what he's been the playoffs last couple of years, which has been a diminished version of himself. He also got his money, like he got a yeah. contract. And if you look back at his history, like in the contract year in Phoenix, he played extremely well. In you know, in this past season, in the regular season, you know, leading up to that contract extension that he got, he was playing really well. Like this team needs Eric Bledsoe to be motivated, to be focused, to be locked in all season long and recognize that they need him to win a championship. It's as simple as that. Like, you can't have Eric Bledsoe taking a step back and put yourself in the position where you're relying on George Hill to kind of be your savior. George Hill's good in spots and he's got that playoff experience and he can make the open shot, but Bledsoe is the more dynamic player. He's the better defensive player. You know, he's the better all-around player. Like, you need him to be locked in in the same way he has been in his contract years. He's got to be have that same type of focus or else uh, I don't know how they they replace him with Brogdon gone. Uh, that's the question. And then it comes down to do the Bucks have the assets, whether it's expiring cap or whatever, to make something happen if things do go south? Is there... You know, is there a way that they could trade for Chris Paul? You know, that I think that's like the kind of move they're going to have to consider if they feel like they're not quite there because this is their year. I mean, Giannis is smack dab in his prime. This is a year they should contend for the title. If they get the sense that they're not going to, they got to do something. It's also weird having two sets of brothers on a team. They got to play them together. They got to play the the Lopez brothers five minutes a game together. Blow out fourth quarter minutes. Just put them all out there. Please. I don't don't know why Robin Lopez signed there. Like Robin Lopez could be a starter or like, like put Robin Lopez in Boston per se. And you know, he's, you know, it's taking Aaron Baines slot. Like he's going to, to a team that has places far more of a premium on three point shooting. And Robin's not a three point shooter. Like Brooke is the three point shooter. I don't know. What, I don't know what he is expecting as a role. Maybe he just really wants to play with his brother. They missed each other from totally. Years he, at Stanford. He signed with the Bucks for one reason: fun. He's been on the Chicago <laughs> Bulls the last couple of years. It has yeah. sucked. He <laughs> went to the Bucks to have fun. He just wants to like hang out with his brother, make jokes, and read comic books. That's that's pretty much what Absolutely. he's there for. <laughs> that could that could be interesting. Two sets of brothers in the same locker room. I, I'm not sure we've ever had that before, but it, it certainly will be something we haven't seen in a while. Um. All right, fellas, great job. We'll have to do this again when uh, Dollinger stops complaining about uh, having to add to his responsibilities. But uh, always appreciate it, man. Hey, we haven't even got into the fiber talk yet. What uh, What's going on with your hair these days? Are we, what kind of product are we using? confused about that part. But, I don't have a lot between of hair. You and, between you and Howard Beck, your obsession with my hair is a little little strange. It's, you? it's your little calling strange. card. It's your, it's, uh, all right, that's all I got. It is It is my calling card. That's as why he's on TV. On my it's head, the hair. I'm, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.